Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, it's Liam Garrity, producer of Petrified here. In September 2022, we were invited by the London Podcast Festival to perform a live show at King's Place. That show was Melody's Story Hour. After the performance, we did a really fun Q&A. The audience had great questions, and we wanted to share that with you now as a kind of bonus episode to conclude Series 3. The chat was moderated by myself, and I was joined by Petrified writer-director Peter Dunn and cast members Michelle McMahon and Margaret McAuliffe. I hope you enjoy. How y'all doing? How many people have heard Petrified before? Okay, so like maybe half or maybe less than half. Um, so Petrified is, is kind of an anthology fiction podcast um, where every, every episode is, is kind of a different story. And yeah, we were tasked with coming up with something for uh, this festival about three weeks ago. Yeah, so it's quite, quite, quite quick turnaround. But yeah, so maybe just like to give people some context. Um, Peter, how did this all come about in the first place? Peter is a writer and director. Uh, has it come about or yeah. this particular? Uh, the whole shebang. Uh, so I was always into horror, but I had no um, experience in doing any audio whatsoever. And I got this idea into my head before. This is for a previous show we did called Eerie. And so I just had this idea about um, tourists going on audio tours um, like, and hearing all these, like the history of Dublin. So then I got this idea in my head. What if tourists went on an audio tour, but it was all made up and they didn't know? So everything that they heard was false, but then they'd go back to their own countries and this kind of urban legends would spread that they think it was things that had really happened in Dublin. So, um, but I didn't know how to make it because I, I had no experience in audio or anything like that. And so I used to run an underground film night called Morb. And Liam had interviewed me before um, when he was working for RTE. And so I decided to um, kind of lay a honey trap for Liam. So I uh, pretended I wanted to meet him to just kind of learn about podcasts and stuff like that because I knew he was into them. And so while we were talking, I just kind of started talking about this idea that had come to me. And I was going, God, I don't know anyone that does audio. I don't even know who I'd ask. And Liam said, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and so trapped Liam into that. And then we did the audio thing. And then it just kind of went from there. And so my favorite things are like, um, I love things like, you know, um, Twilight Zone or Inside Number Nine, stuff like that. I love kind of little self-contained little half-hour short things, and so that's my favourite thing to watch or stuff like that, and so it's also kind of my favourite thing to write. So um, so from that, just petrified, and then 
very lucky to be great friends with um, incredible actors. Like um, I've never actually done a show or uh, like a theatre show or a podcast or anything without one of either of these two in it. So I kind of, whenever I kind Peter of make something... Peter is a massive fan of Nicole Kidman, so Redheads. it's a prerequisite yeah. that we're red. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told them that they had to have their hair down tonight and they couldn't wear anything on their heads. <laughs> yeah, so that's how Patrick came about. Sorry. Yeah. I love, the honey trap thing is great because uh, I totally fell for it and also didn't find out that it was a honey trap until uh, about a year later when you were telling this story to someone and I was like, ah... Oh. I totally walked into that. Um, but like you've been like a massive horror fan like ever since you were very little. And so you have this really strange relationship with horror that um, I don't think a lot of people have. Uh, so like where did it all start out there? Well, I kind of, I've, Liam knows this, I've tried it a few times, but when I was a um, kid, I was a bit of a... Well, I don't think I've changed too much. I was a bit of a weirdo. <laughs> and um, no. so I would, yeah. And so um, I wouldn't really kind of leave the house or stuff like that. And so what I would do is I would watch uh, horror films with my granddad. And so we'd watch all the kind of hammer horrors and stuff like that. And so that kind of became like, you know, it became like a safe space for me. And so when my granddad passed away, to remember him, I would watch horror films. So... I weirdly would get comforted because I would think of him. So in a weird way, I feel safe when I watch horror films. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, like, um, for Michelle and Mags, um, like, how did you find, like, you obviously worked with Peter before, but, like, when we started on, like, Petrified, it was very much kind of, like, sitting around Peter's kitchen table recording. Uh, like, was it, like was, it, was it different from what you'd, like the ways you worked with him before? Like, it is kind of an unusual process in that Peter's usually writing the script the night before, <laughs> and nobody's read the script until we're two seconds about to record it. Um, like how, I wrote how did, this one on Monday. <laughs> and it was making edits to it about an we hour ago. changed it this morning. Um, <laughs> like, how, how is that, like, as, as actors, like, how, how do you find that? <laughs> <laughs> it keeps things interesting I, I, I actually love uh, sight reading like I can take a <laughs> thankfully I can take a, um, a piece of text and kind of uh, read it live and not kind of get too stuck on the words so that's kind of very handy for working with Peter but what I love um, like it's such a lovely environment because we're sitting around uh Peter's kitchen table, Liam's there, we've the mic set up, and we've the script emailed to us, so it's not even printed out, so we're there on our phones, and, um, and Peter, uh, Peter gives us some directions, so Peter would do something like, okay, I want you to play this, but like, you're a little girl, but you're a woman, but like, also, there's like a dead woman in your, in your wardrobe, but you don't know, because it happened a long time ago, but then you've forgotten, then it's just come back to you now, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, right, okay, cool, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's grand, I'll just jump in then, so. Um, but what I love about doing that kind of on the fly is that you don't know, there was one time I was reading it and I turned out to be the murderer at the end, but I hadn't realised, I hadn't read it that way because so, so much, <laughs> so much of script work is like unlearning what you know. A lot of people will play the end of the 
piece of text at the beginning, you know, it'll be informed with the knowledge that you have because you've worked on it so much. So what pe in a way it's genius because <laughs> you're kind of, you're, you're coming to it so fresh. You don't have any preconceived notions as to where it's going. So it makes it very live and very interesting. All of that. <laughs> I would also say that Peter is a massive fan of social experiments. So I like to think that we're willing participants in this social experiment that he has constructed for us, so that every time we get together, he has made decisions on our behalf about what's going to happen. We have no idea what those are. Uh, to the point where his party line on it now is, that's why I don't give you the scripts. <laughs> I want to keep it fresh. I want you to find out. But um, yeah, I think that both of us were saying earlier, like Peter is the biggest champion of women and creating these amazing characters for women. And he's always done that for as long as we've worked with him yeah. in theatre and in this. <laughs> um, which is just really exciting. So every time you work with him, you know oh, he'll have done well by me. And that's, yeah, I think that's a nice thing to be able to say. You don't come across no, it too no. often. And he does that amazing thing that Mags referred to, but like every actor's job is to think on the line and Peter literally gives you the script, so you have no choice but to think <laughs> as you're reading it on the line. And that, yeah, that works. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to ask, just because I'm intrigued about this, and I know I've asked you about this before, but I really find it weird and fascinating, is that I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you did some research into fear, and as part of that, you did this insane uh, weekend <laughs> thing where you're, like, tortured and... Not tortured, tortured. <laughs> and it wasn't for a weekend, it was six hours. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. Well, wait till you hear what it is. So, yeah, so it was this, so I, I did a research thing because I wanted to, like, um, figure out how you could turn, like, kind of extreme um, our, our phobias into entertainment. So I did a lot of stuff with child psychologists and kind of talked about, like, and then I tried to develop a phobia, but it, you can't do it willingly. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So then there was this thing um, called Cracked, and so and the, the kind of the most ridiculous thing is that the Arts Council of Ireland paid for me to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> I flew to Sheffield, and so you had to go to this. Uh, they gave you like a pin drop thing. So I got into a taxi, and the taxi, and I just showed the taxi driver, and he goes, Are "You sure you want to go there?" Like it was like a lane in the middle of nowhere. So I said, "Yeah, I have to." So he dropped me off, and then all these other people, like, oh, I was the first one there, and there was nothing. And then all these other people start coming up in drips and drabs. And in the end, there was like nine of us, and so we're all just kind of standing there waiting for something to happen. And then this woman starts coming down the road, and she's dressed all in white, and she had like kind of white hair, and she had like a white umbrella over. Her. And so she's coming down, she's really nice and kind of smiling and talking to us all. And then somebody went, we all were kind of sitting on this wall, and somebody went to look over their shoulder and she screamed at us, look forward! And so we're just kind of sitting there like that. So what we didn't realize is she was making us look forward because this, you know, those kind of army trucks with the canvas things over the top had pulled up behind us and all these people get out in hazmat suits and gas masks and they pulled us into the back of this thing. And they put like, bags over our heads and like cable ties and stuff like that. And they drove us out this place, couldn't see a thing. And like there's all these dogs barking in your face. And then they pulled the hoods off and we're in this warehouse, which was in the middle of nowhere. And so they start reading out this list of rules. And basically the thing was over the next whatever period of time, 
their goal was to make you crack. So they kept saying to you, you can stop this whenever you want. All you have to do is say, I crack. And so each of us had a t-shirt on. We were given a number, so I was number one. And so, because um, they didn't want you to have a name and they didn't want you to be able to see their faces so you couldn't make a human connection. And so then it was just a series of um, these horrible tasks. Like five minutes into this, I was going, I can't use this. The arts can't speak. This is too much. But, uh, <laughs> so, but then it was kind of like... like at one stage, we were waterboarded, and then there was like, you were kind of, you were freezing and you were soaking, and all this stuff was, go oh, I forgot to go to Paralitalia. But you were freezing and you were soaking, like, and you had no concept of how long it went down for us. So in the end, it went down for six minutes, and like, you'd be brought into rooms to do like these group tasks, and then you'd be brought off on your own, and you'd be like, I think it was almost like, do they, do, like, they'd be blaring music in your ears and stuff like this. And um, also, didn't they research? That's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. Sorry, that's where I jumped again. So before you do this, you have to give them access to all your social media media for I think it was three weeks and so I do have a phobia I have an egg phobia but when I told my friends that these people were going to look at my social media for three weeks everybody was putting pictures of eggs on my Facebook page <laughs> everybody you name it eggs falling out of fridges people <laughs> dropping eggs like deliberately trying to do this but that, anyway like you'd be you'd go off and then you'd come back into the room and each time to be somebody less and you were going that's because they've all cracked and so I was, the thing that kind of kept me going was I was always so curious, because as soon as you crack, they, they take you away. And I was going, if I leave, I'll never know what happens next. I won't know what happens next. And so they brought us in. This stage was six of us left. And so they put a basin down in front of each of us. And so your mind goes, it's for vomit. So that's where I was going. <laughs> so they started br bringing out these plates. And on each plate, there was like, um, uh, there was like uh, crickets and snails and this kind of slug thing and, uh, and mealworms. And then they had like um, this... I think it's a, a Swedish fish that, like, um, it's actually illegal to open the tin in in a closed space because it smells so bad. I can't remember what it's called. But each time you, like, if you put your face, you couldn't help but go like that. But then that was on everybody's plate, and on mine there was a massive egg. <laughs> and so I was going, okay, well, I have to eat this as quickly as possible because I'm going to stop when I get to the egg. And so everyone else was kind of going like this, and I was fucking horsing it into me <laughs> and throwing it in, throwing it in, and then I came to the egg, and then I stopped, and I was going... Oh, I can't, I can't. And then they're saying, do you crack? And I was going... And so I took the shell off the egg, and my hands were shaking. And it was one of those eggs where, you know, the, the yolk is, br is black and the middle thing is brown. And it was like jelly. And they all started kind of gathering around me because this was, like, the place to be. And so... Um, <laughs> and so I apologise in advance. And so I was going... I don't want to crack, so I have to eat this. So the only way I could... Do, sorry, the only way I could do this... I had to get sick in my mouth and then break off a piece of the egg and swallow it with the sick. <laughs> so I got the egg down and then I started shaking. And so then I made the stupid mistake. They're saying, uh, you, you, are you happy you got down? I said, I'm just amazed I got the egg down. And the minute I said the egg down, they went, aha. I said, get this man two more eggs. <laughs> and so they kind of and I have to say it was actually one of the lowest points of my whole life because they were in a ring around me and the other kind of six people that were left they all wanted me to fail and then everyone around me wanted me to crack and I was sitting there soaking wet shaking and I was forcing down another two eggs and so I was just going the Arts Council of Ireland paid for this but, I, but anyway yeah but then we made it we made so three of us made it to the end and so we were kind of but like and we're all there with like the, the tinfoil kind of 
uh, marathon things around us. Like, and I, I, but like for the whole rest thing, I just couldn't stop going like this. Like my whole body went into, and so I was just kind of talking to somebody, and I, uh, it was an older man. Like he'd met me. He was like um, in his late fifties, and I just said, "Why did you do this?" Like me sitting beside him, going, "Why did you do this?" <laughs> and he said, "Because he wanted to know how." how far he could be pushed and still be in his own control. Because he was going, I could have stopped this any time I wanted, but I discovered what I was capable of. And in a weird way, it kind of helped me because I'm not very good at kind of social stuff, like I can be a bit shy, but whenever there was something that I was kind of feeling nervous about, I was going, look what you did. And so you, you can go over there and talk to somebody, you know? Didn't you win? I did. <laughs> <laughs> But 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 the very interesting thing was that they'd done it um, three they'd done it three weeks in a row, but they'd done it before the year before. But the really interesting thing was um, of the people that didn't make it to the end, it was always a woman that won. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Childbirth. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, just I I was just thinking there. I remember when we were recording an episode once, and uh, and I came over to your house and I, I'd bought. Uh, you, uh, what I thought was a lovely present of a Kinder Egg, and I was like, "Here you go!" <laughs> and the recoil, even from a, a delicious chocolate uh, uh, surprise. Um, but yeah, so we're going to um, we're we're going to have a, a roving mic in a second if anyone has some questions. Um, but I just wanted to ask. Um, what do you think? Like in terms of the like this as a medium, because I think it was it was a new thing. For us, um, I'd never, I worked as a radio reporter and I'd done features. And so I was used to going out and about and interviewing people and recording sounds and stuff. Um, but I hadn't done anything like this. And I don't think you had either when we started it. Um, but like, what do you think of, what, what do you like or enjoy about the medium? Or, or does it even matter? Oh. Um. <laughs> Okay, um, so I really like, so I really like the idea of being in someone's ear. Um, I worked years and years and years ago before we did Petrified. I had to record an audio adventure remotely, and the note that I was given by the two people who wrote it was, "You are the voice in people's ears, so you are both guiding them and helping them, but you're also." getting them to question who you are and what your intentions are. And that tension, I love that tension. I love the fact that you can be comforted and scared and challenged and like freaked out by the same voice. And I suppose from the perspective of like using your voice as a range and what we've done, like I've lost my voice on your, like I've done some serious damage too. Um, my voice on your... It was the episode where you were the blind woman. The empty person in the empty room, for anyone who hasn't listened to it, um, is a good example of what the voice can do under pressure. But um, it's a great challenge, and there's a real freedom in recording it and a real beauty in listening to something um, back that way where you're not quite sure whether you can trust the person that's talking to you. Mags, do you have, like, a, a favourite episode... That she did. Yeah, I really like. What was the light, the lighthouse one called? Oh, the loneliest sound. The loneliest sound. I think it's the first episode of the second series. Is it? 
Uh, the seventh one, because we were thinking we'd finish on a sad one, and then we said, "Ah, oh, no, we'll we leave it yeah. for the second last." Yeah, yeah. Um, and I loved it. It was myself and Amy O'Dwyer, who couldn't make it today, um, and she was a lighthouse keeper. And I just love how you write. Oh yeah, of course, this woman is a lighthouse keeper, and that's her job. Um, I love working on your podcast. Just the amount, the array of characters you get to play. It's just so much fun to jump into, because because Peter will write you. Um, five different characters in one script and you're just like jumping in and out of different characters. Oh, and just just um, in case people don't know, so Melody um, was Mags. They got it. I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just in case, just in case. Hello. <laughs> um, cool. Um, well, so yeah, so we have, uh, we have two series out. We're working on the third. This is this, what you watch tonight. It's going to go out in, uh, as the third series, which is going to start in a couple of... Before the end of the year, we'll just say. That's an easier thing to say. Um, yeah, so we're kind of really excited about it. We've got eight new episodes. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but did we want to mention about uh, a guest star we had? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. I was going to say one, but sure, we'll mention the two. Um, so, yeah, just as we, we kind of, uh, as we went on, we kind of, we, we each thought, like, oh, let's try and get, like, someone that we were, we would love to, you know, get on the show just for, like, one episode. Um, so in the third series, the person I would uh, really wanted was um, Cecil Baldwin of Welcome to Night Vale. Um, so he's going to be in series three. Yeah, he's going to be in an episode. Um, so we're like really excited, and he's actually uh, coming over too. He must be. He might actually be uh, in London soon because he's going to be in Dublin uh, at the end of this month. Um, so very excited about that. And then Peter, you had someone in mind. Who is that? Uh, so it's an independent. Oh God, I wish. So it's an independent uh, horror filmmaker called Larry Fessenden. So he did like Wendigo. He did like version of Frankenstein stuff like that. So him, yeah, he's gonna be in it. Yeah. Yeah, and they both said yes. Like, <laughs> we were like, oh, that was easy. We just emailed them and asked them, and they were like, yeah, sure, great. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. So uh, does anyone have any questions in the audience? Uh, I can't really see. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, I do. Oh, is there a mic coming? I think there is. Yeah, I've got a question for you guys that actually kind of links to you talking about Cecil Baldwin just before. Um, obviously, here you've got the community of the London Podcast Festival. I'm wondering what the community is like where you are. I mean, who do you feel connected to as far as your little drama podcast community goes? Well. It's interesting because um, we were asked this uh, a few weeks ago by someone, and there in Ireland there isn't a huge amount of drama. Um, it's funny because we were at the Irish Podcast Awards last night, and for the first ever one, uh, run by the same people who do the British po Podcast Awards, and actually in the category, uh, it was kind of very mixed in terms of uh, like some are kind of improv and some are kind of. Um, a mix of um, factual with like little bits of drama. Um, so there's not a huge amount of like w when we were asked that a couple of weeks ago, we didn't really know any uh, shows. We knew we were just aware of maybe one or two. Um, so yeah, I don't feel like there's much of a community yet. I think it's still kind of growing. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
Do you have anything to add to that? Oh, well, do you have the Warren? So that's is that kind of something like a little. Well, so we're so Petrified is on an Irish podcast network called The Warren, um, but actually that's kind of in the, like we're the only drama po podcast on that network. Um, so yeah, we're kind of uh, yeah, they're, they're, we're we're uh, yeah, small in numbers. And they took home silver in the best fiction podcast of the Irish last podcast last night. Last night. Um, does anyone else have any questions? Or oh yeah, see some hands over there. Hi, uh, just a, more of a writing question, actually. Because you say it's a different story every time. Oh, it's anthology. Uh, are they all, like, brand new ideas you've thought of recently? Or are there, like, stories that you've banked from years ago and just haven't quite found the right format, medium, to kind of manifest them? Kind of both. So there would have been stuff that, like... Um, uh, stories that because I, I would have uh, done theatre as well and kind of there's some stuff that you write that you go you can't really do it in theatre you know how can you how can you visualise some of this stuff so some of the things would have been theatre stuff that like theatre ideas that I have that I never got a chance to do but then other stuff would be really just on the fly so like just kind of even just with the melody thing I'm going well how can you make a point of the fact that you're in a live recording of a podcast so it can be little things like that or even just ideas mm. or um, you know I like thinking of remote places, so like what's the remote place, like a lighthouse or, you know, the very first Petrified episode we did was like a radio station, so like I kind of, and, and I try to kind of make them a little bit Irish as well, you know, like is, there's so many other um, horror podcasts you'd be competing with, what's, what's our kind of niche, so yeah, so I would kind of like think of very kind of Irish as well, but, but to answer, it's kind of both, kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah. Nice, thanks. Yeah. I think there was another hand up over there, I think. Oh, yeah. Great show, by the way. Just want to say that out loud. Um, the question I wanted to ask you was, uh, from making a transition from theatre work, work, from what you said, to now doing audio, how do you maximise the scales? Because it's a totally different medium. What are, what, what are you doing differently, effectively? Um, it's kind of nearly a little bit, I think, easier to frighten people with, with audio because... Like, what I was even saying to um, Mags and Michelle was, like, if you really want to kind of frighten people, slow it down. <laughs> like, give people the room to be frightened. Like, kind of, if you kind of ease it down. So, like, the things that kind of can give you the creeps are people's voices. And so, um, the, you know the way they say, like, the best thing about kind of horror is what you imagine yourself. So... I think Stephen King like even said something before he was going, you know, if somebody's walking up to a door and like you're kind of going, oh God, what's behind the door? And then they open the door and it's like a 50-foot spider and you go, ah, oh, I thought it was going to be a 100-foot spider. So it's always kind of disappointing. So it's kind of, so that's the kind of good thing without it. You're, you're given all the kind of creepy stuff, like you're giving people's brains the, the chance to fill it in and it's always going to be, what you're going to create in your brain is going to be much scarier than anyone shows you. So I actually think audio is kind of easier to give people the creeps. Also, I have to say that, uh, like, when I'm editing them, that when the, when they go back to you and then the notes back, Peter will always be like, "Oh, mate, w w if there's anything that's loud, Peter will always be like, turn that up loud.' It's like, Peter, it can't go any louder. It's gonna like blow people's ears off. No, louder, louder, louder. Uh, that as well. Um, and also, actually, some, something to maybe mention, like the amount of ideas that come out of your head, is we also, all of us, uh, do, it's like a kid's version of Petrified Spooky yeah. FM that we did two series of, and it's kind of the same, it's an anthology uh, horror podcast, but for kids. Um, yeah, so like, is there any kind of 
do you find any major difference between switching between the two audiences? Uh, uh, well, with the kids, when I like, kind of make it a little bit funny because mm. I, um, what I'm doing as well is, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. But, what, but I'm doing a, I'm in development on a, a, a theatre show um, in Dublin, um, and it's about how kids deal with phobias or how kids deal with fears. And so, like, the whole thing is, like, um, to give kids the space to talk about what they're frightened of and kind of help them get through it. But, like, how do you... So the whole thing is, like, how do you get kids to talk or about what they're frightened of or experience what they're frightened of without re-frightening them? Or, you know, if a kid is kind of traumatised by something, how can you get them to, like, kind of open up about it without re-traumatising them? So it's kind of comedy, you know, like if you can make them laugh. And so if you make, cause if you're laughing, you kind of feel safe. So, you know, and once you're, once you kind of feel safe, you feel that the things aren't so scary anymore. So even though like the things in Spooky FM might be like kind of creepy or gross or once the kids are kind of like finding comedy in as well, it's much easier to deal with. I think kids as well love not being patronized and you say pretty scary things, um, not to horrify, but just uh, no one else would talk to them that way, I think. Kind of like that episode of Friends, you know, and Phoebe was like telling the kids the truth about where their <laughs> granny went. <laughs> you do that for the kids of Ireland. <laughs> um, well, we're just about at time. If We probably have time for one more question if anyone had one. Uh, anyone? Oh, yeah. Uh, just over in the aisle. Hey, um, congrats on yesterday. Um, so I actually oh, have hello, a... Oh, I just hello, I recognize yes, you. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was wanted to make, uh, try to touch base afterwards. Um, so um, I, for the panel, I suppose, um, I always think it seems like in the podcasting sphere that there's um, a lot of um, male horror writers and then for something like true crime, there's a lot of female people who often have shows about it. And I was just wondering, you know, so I'm always wondering about that intersection of like, uh, you know, is that a real thing that you th also think? And why do you think that would be just as like a, as a topic, if anyone's got any thoughts? I've never, I've never thought about that before, um, but I know that it's mostly my female friends that are addicted to true crime um, and the gorier, the more popular it appears. I had a flatmate two years ago who couldn't sleep without listening to something about murder, <laughs> pillaging or whatever. Um, and I, I, I guess I don't listen to enough horror podcasts to really make the connection between the fact that it's mostly women doing the, 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 the real stuff and, and the men that doing the, that's doing the fiction. I actually don't have an answer. I don't know, I never thought about it like that before. Peter? <laughs> oh, um, no, I don't know. Uh, honestly, like, it's just, um, I would, I would hope that if it's that way that it changes, because, you know, it kind of just sounds a bit hokey, but horrors for everybody, you know? So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like anyone to, oh God, that sounds, I wouldn't like anyone to feel like it's a closed door, that, you know, it's just, you know, if everyone gets afraid of shit, so everyone can like make scary shit. So uh, yeah, I, I don't have an answer. Yeah. Did you, did you think there might be any reason? Uh, it's just something where I was like, oh, m you know, maybe women are drawn more to real things because they feel more of a 
like more of a sense of real threat out in the world versus men who might feel like that, like leaving the door, there's less of a real threat. So therefore, the threats tend to be more um, fictional because it gives you a greater scope often for, as, as opposed to just another person got murdered. Like uh, you know, that's not actually that exciting a story, but a lot of people get murdered, a lot of women. So that, that's the only feeling I've ever wondered. Yeah, that's where what I've wondered about. I suppose just wondered whether anyone else had any theories. So. Hello, uh, love the show. Um, I was really interested to hear that you were like writing it up till like Monday or whatever. Uh, Sorry, I, today. Yeah. <laughs> Just be clear about that. I thought it was. I thought it was really cool, like the incorporating the the recorded thing and playing it back at the end. Um, I'm just wondering, did did you come up with like I know you said at the start taking advantage of the live show. Did you always have that specific idea, or was there other versions of it? Because I was like, I was kind of thinking about all the different other, other ways you could do it, but I just love to know a bit more. Uh, well, the whole thing was um, I wanted to like I thought it would be cool to like have um, two women presenting a live podcast show in front of a live audience, but then I was going, but you know, I didn't just want the audience to feel like that they were just watching a show, so. I wanted you to, like, to feel like part of the show. So I was going, so how can I make you feel part of the show? I can curse you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so I just kind of wanted to... It, it was kind of just um, how could I make the experience more memorable or enjoyable for you? So it, like, I think I was kind of writing it for um, a couple of hours and then I thought oh, it would be lovely to have the audience feel like they're part of it as well. So that's kind of where that came from. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I think that's a, a fantastic point to, to end this evening with everyone cursed. Um, but, but thank you so much for coming. Really appreciate it because um, it's our first ever like live show and it was nerve-wracking and scary. And uh, But anyway, uh, give it up one more time for Peter Dunn, Michelle McMahon uh, and Margaret McAuliffe. And, and Liam Garrett. Thanks for listening to Petrified Series 3. Like all specters, you never know when you might see us again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.